0: Welcome back to my podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chuck. (sighs) I might scream. Chuck, why are you here again? This is my podcast. How many times should I tell you that? Hey, I'm the reason you're getting so many listeners. Our last podcast had two views. See, I got us two views. We're the ones who listened to it two times. Oh. Well, I'm not getting distracted by you this time. Today, we're going to talk about civic issues, and what you listeners can do about it. Now, what is a civic issue? A civic issue is an issue that impacts everyone. Every family, every household, every person. An example could be... Sean Connery's death. What? I mean, out of all people, he did not deserve to die. Um, he was the best freaking James Bond there ever was. I mean, some age and others mature, but he freaking died. I need you to take a breather right now. His death is not a civic issue because it cannot be solved. I don't know. I mean, like, resurrection? No. The civic issue we will be discussing is, should the coastal gas link pipeline be banned? What was that last word? Banned. Say it again. Banned? Again. Banned. banned. Rue. What? You said band. I said Roo. Band rue. Roo. Band rue. Roo. And Roo. Andrew. Oh my! <sighs> I might lose him. <laughs> Just a little name pun there. Well, today, Chuck, I will be showing a how-to guide on how to make an e-petition against this pipeline. Now, why is this issue important? First of all, what is this issue about? Well, the pipeline issue demonstrates a lot of issues. The word issue has been said a lot, and now it just sounds wrong. Anyways, the pipeline is to be constructed in British Columbia. Which we all know is in Britain. Uh, no. Oh, so it's in Columbia. No, it's n- not in Columbia, it's in Canada. Then why do they call it British Columbia? I don't know, ask the Queen or something. What I was trying to say is that the pipeline is being built in British Columbia. The pipeline already provides environmental issues. Many activists have spoken about this issue, like Michael Sawyer. He, along with others, agree that when burned, this natural gas transported through the completed pipeline is equivalent to 585.5 million pounds of CO2 a day. Also, wildlife are affected too. In an article by Shake Up the Establishment, an estimated 129 out of 459 Heart Ranges caribou herds will be affected by the project, and 32% of their functional habitat will be disturbed. talqua caribou are highly endangered, with only about 20 animals remaining. The pipeline project will jeopardize almost half of it. Based on the 2014 federal recovery strategy, almost all of the habitat for both of these herds is considered critical habitat. The predicted cumulative impacts of this project on these caribou populations is so negative that federal management and conservation plans for recovering these populations may not be possible. Wow, that's not just it, Chuck. The biggest stakeholder group is the Wet'suwet'en communities. In an article by CBC News, it says that the conflict is centered on a Forest Service road that leads into the heart of Wet'suwet'en territory, about 300 kilometers west of Prince George, B.C., the road is the only access point for workers to build a coastal gas link pipeline through that area. Additionally, the Wet'suwet'en have established camps along the road, including the Inistotin Healing Village. These camps are preventing people working on the pipeline from accessing the territory. Now, it may look like these aboriginal communities are just being annoying, but this is their territory and home. It's not their fault. So none of them agreed to this. I mean, some council leaders did agree. But it was more of them conceding, as in they were consenting to the inevitable. Those leaders knew that the pipeline would be built, whether they liked it or not. So are we against the communities or the pipeline? I'm just kind of confused. Personally, I feel that we should be advocating for these communities. Not only does this pipeline demonstrate environmental problems, but it is also trespassing the land of these aboriginal communities. This is also not the first time that an issue like this has negatively impacted the Aboriginal communities. Events like these have occurred in the past, says one Aboriginal clan leader. She went on to describe how the province had mismanaged every resource extractive industry that ever hit our territories. Her father's territory was polluted by seepage of acidic waste from the Equity Silver Mine. This peaked in the 1980s and continued for many years after that. Okay, uh, so what does the conservations and liabilities have to say about this? Do you mean the conservatives and liberals? Oh, yeah, 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 the red and the blue. Uh, yes, they also have their takes on this. Former Conservative Party leader Andrew Shear. Hey, that's your name. Yeah, I know. Anyways, he's come under fire for his comments about this issue. He said, these protesters, these activists, may have the luxury of spending days at a time at a blockade, but they need to check their privilege and let people whose job depends on the railway system, small business farmers, do their job. This issue has now gone beyond trespassing the Aboriginal territory and has got now gone into racism. Wow, if I wrote a book about him, it'd be like Harry Potter and the audacity of this Andrew Sheer dude. There's even been arrests because of the blockades that occur near the road to the pipeline. What about Pierre guy? What about him? What did that guy say about it? Do you mean his son, Justin Trudeau? Wait, what did I say? Well, Trudeau has so far strayed from this issue, hasn't really been involved with it. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, however, is kind of sitting on the fence over this issue. Huh. I always thought he sat on a chair. Many are confused about his tactics. Especially since he had previously stated that he was against fracking, which is the process that provides natural gas for the pipeline. Singh himself has commented about the issue, saying, There's a lot of complexity to the situation. The declaration and reconciliation are all very complex things. The path that we need to walk as a society, as a country, to reconciliation, to justice, is a difficult path, but we need to walk it. Okay, so we sorta in the middle about this? Precisely. His decision makes sense also. It is difficult to pick a side, especially when there are jobs at stake. On one hand, we see people getting jobs when they work for the pipeline. On the other, we see satisfied Aboriginal communities in a much healthier environment. And on the third hand, we have the chance to resurrect Sean Connery. I told you, that is not a civic issue. Plus, humans don't have three hands. How do you know? Getting back to the topic, Chuck, it's all about being there for others. Canadians need to advocate for those who are not able to. In this issue, the Aboriginal people are the minority. It's not fair to forget how this negatively impacts them. This issue is also about racism, which many can relate to in these current times. Fortunately, the Green Party also agrees with us, as they stand with these Aboriginal communities about the closing of this pipeline. Okay, so what now? Now what can we do? Or most importantly? What can you do? Um, I can do nothing except give weird, out-of-context dialogue. No, not you. The viewers. What can they do now? Oh, I see. They hold the pipeline workers for ransom and make the government close the pipeline in return for the workers. No, 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 no. That is not the answer. What the viewers can do is make an e-petition. An e-petition is where individuals gather signatures of those who are concerned about an issue, like the pipeline and give it to the government to convince them into, in this case, closing the pipeline. An e-petition helps show the government that there are people who care about this issue and that there are communities that support the Aboriginal families. In this case, the e-petition will be given to the federal government because they are handling the pipeline. Okay, but why an e-petition? Why not protests? The current protests have been unsuccessful. They've even led to arrests. That's not a risk many people should be taking. E-petitions are not violent, and they would not warrant any arrests. All the listeners have to do first is try to bring awareness to this issue. Blogs, websites, and word of mouth are good methods in bringing awareness to this issue. Even sharing articles about this issue to friends or family can help more people to understand the problem here. Okay, so just get some signatures, that's it? Uh, no. You need to first create an account on the petitions website. In addition to providing a valid email address and choosing a password, a petitioner must provide the following contact information name, city, country, and province or territory, postal code, and telephone number. You also need to prove that you are a Canadian citizen or permanent resident and also agree to the terms of use. Then you draft your petition. You will need to address this petition to one of the following. The House of Commons or the House of Commons in a Parliament Assembled, the government of Canada, a minister of the crown, or a member of the House of Commons. In this case, it'd be addressed to the government of Canada. Okay, uh, we've done that, what's next? Next, you add your text. It's a request, so technically what you are asking the government to do. has to also be no more than 250 words. It has to be clear and phrased as a request, not a demand. It also has to have no inappropriate language, it must be respectful. After all, you're talking to the government of Canada. Okay, we're done with the text, then what's the next step? Now you get the e-petitions published. We do it in three steps. The official House of Commons website says, when you draft your petition, you will be prompted to identify at least five potential supporters, but no more than 10, and provide their email addresses. A supporter is a resident of Canada or a citizen of Canada, living either in Canada or abroad, who supports the ideas and proposals set out in your petition and who signifies his or her support before it is sent to an MP. A supporter may be a friend, colleague, neighbour, or any eligible person who is willing to sign your petition. You cannot act as a supporter for your own petition. An email address associated with the Government of Canada or the Parliament of Canada may not be provided as contact information for supporters. The first five supporters to back your petition will be automatically added as signatories to the petition, if and when it is posted for signatures online. They will receive email updates concerning the petition's progress through the various stages. The agreement of five supporters is required before you can proceed to step two. Wow, a lot of steps there. Okay then, what's step two? Then Chuck, the website says, during the process of creating your e-petition, you will need to select a Member of Parliament to authorize its online publication. Once your petition is sent to a prospective member for consideration, the MP will have 30 days to make a decision. If they have not responded within 30 days or refused the request, you will be prompted to invite another MP to carry out this role. You will have a total of five opportunities, if necessary. The MP whom you identify to authorize the online publication of the e petition or his or her delegate will be provided with your contact information and may contact you by email or by telephone to exchange some thoughts before responding to your request. In accepting to authorize its online publication, a member is not necessarily agreeing with the opinions or requests set out in the e petition. In the event the MP, Member of Parliament, you identify ceases to be a member before an e-petition is published on the website, the clerk of petitions will contact the petitioner and invite him or her to select another member. A member of parliament who authorizes the online publication of an e-petition is not permitted to rescind his or her decision. Cool, then what's next? After that, Chuck, you will be examined to see if it is eligible and that it follows the rules and regulations of the House of Commons. It will either get approved or rejected. Don't worry if it does get rejected, though. Try again with a new petition. Okay, let's say it was approved. What would you do next? Now, Chuck, this is where we get the signatures. Once you publish the petition on the website, it's free for anyone to sign. There's no age limit. All that's required is their email, name, number, country, in case they're a Canadian resident who currently resides in a different country, or their province-slash-territory, and postal code in case they still live in Canada. Remember, those who are not valid Canadian citizens and residents can't sign. Okay, so that's it, we're done? Not yet, Chuck. The petition has to get minimum of 500 valid signatures in a time period from 30 to 120 days, based on the petitioner's decision. If that doesn't happen, the petition proceeds no further and just stays on the site. But if you do get 500 signatures in time, The Clerk of Petitions will issue a certificate that includes the texts and signatures of the petition. It's then given to the chosen MP, who authorized the petition and is then represented by this MP or another MP in the House of Commons. It is then up to the government to respond to the petition in 45 days. Wow, sounds like a lot of work. It is, but it's for a good cause. It's for the Aboriginal communities. For being neglected and discriminated against for defending their land. It's for the environment and the wildlife. This is not unachievable. Anybody can do it. You just need to put your heart into it. Man, that was deep. Sure was. I hope this episode helped you all to understand the real issue behind the coastal gasoline pipeline and that it encourages you to make an e-petition just like we showed you. Tune in next episode where we resurrect Sean Connery. Nope, that is not happening, Chuck. Oh. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. This is Andrew signing off. Oh, and also Chuck signing off. Did you like that ending? I I don't know. Nice ending, right? Chuck signing off. (laughs) This is dragging too long, isn't it? I don't know. I kind of like the company. Hey guys, is anyone still listening? Yeah, I think we should stop.